Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for this Thanksgiving week, 2022. Today's Monday, November 21st. As a reminder, you can follow me intra-week on LinkedIn or Twitter. Okay, this is available as either a subscription-free based uh, slide presentation send an email to info at efficient-portfolios.com to be included in that, or on any smart device, you can listen to this as a podcast. Of course, you will not see the graphs and charts. Just say, hey, Siri, or hey, Google, play Herb Morgan's podcast. Everything, though, you're about to see or hear is prepared by me for use with you. Whether you are an investor or a financial advisor, you are expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This is purely for informational purposes only. Accuracy, adequacy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. So we had a mostly negative week in equities, at least on a domestic basis, but international equities had a strong rally, at least from a US perspective. What do I mean by that? Well, as we begin to tame the inflation beast, one of the things is that the dollar has started to go back down. So that's good. Dollars rolled over just a little bit from those peaks. And um, th this is also the expectations of the market that we're not gonna continue to raise interest rates as aggressively because when you raise interest rates aggressively, it drives up your currency relative to other currencies. Why? Because it, the money would earn more if it were invested there. So international markets, the EFI up last week, about a quarter of a percent and emerging markets up about eight tenths of a percent. We also saw positive returns in the bond market last week as interest rates fell on better than expected news on producer inflation. So let's get right into some of that economic data and let's take a look at that PPI. If you remember the prior week, we got a CPI, Consumer Price Index Report. We saw that it was rolling over and now we've got further evidence that price that we have some disinflationary trends. We have the Producer Price Index. It was up only two tenths of a percent when it was expected to be up four tenths of a percent. That's the second straight month at that lower number. Uh, year over year is eight. Estimate was 8.3, better than expected. Core, which is more important, was actually unchanged from the previous month. So it didn't, prices didn't rise um, at all. And the year over year uh, was 50 basis points better than expected, 6.7 versus 7.2. If you take out food and energy and in the goods component, just goods, we actually had prices decline and service prices fell. This is the first time since, I forget what month it was, but since 2020 that this has happened. So this is real strong evidence that the Fed's actions here are having an impact. They're also having an impact on economic activity, which was a little bit too strong, was causing inflation. We got the New York State Manufacturing Survey for November. It rose from a minus nine. It was expected to be minus six. It came in at a positive 4.5. So that was a surprise to the upside. Shipments, employment, and inventories rose. New and unfilled orders declined as we further see easing in the supply chain issues that plagued us for much of last year and that were, of course, very inflationary. However, respondents were not necessarily positive. They're still very concerned about the future outlook. 
higher interest rates are having a very good impact on that. And still, it's not like prices are going down, so they still have concerns about prices. Retail sales expected to be up 1% in October, we're up 1.3. It was the biggest gain in eight months as we lead into, lead into the holiday shopping season. Back out autos and gas, we're still up nine tenths of a percent, way above the two tenths expectation. Nine of 13 categories rose, including grocery stores and restaurants. So this is the Fed's hope, right? That they can raise the rates, tame the inflation beast, and economic activity can continue. They'd like to see it kind of moderate and slow, to be honest, because that's obviously part of the driver of inflation. Import and export prices both down. Import price index down two-tenths of a percent in October. Backing out petroleum also down two-tenths of a percent. Export prices down three-tenths of a percent. So this big inflationary move here, right, from, from the massive growth of the money supply to the massively deficit finance fiscal spending, all of this now starting to come back out and we're seeing import and export prices. What about some other things that are good indicators of where inflation is headed? Big one here is uh, the average price of a gallon of regular unleaded across the nation. You can see it peaked at $5 here back in June. We are all the way down to 367 as of this morning. Uh, that's about in line with where we got in that September drop down. And if it were to get down below that, obviously we'd be making some very significant progress. I know many of my listeners are in California and um, I did see a low fives over the weekend. So that was positive, but we haven't seen 367 in probably 20 years out here. Uh, shipping costs, which are a big, big component to goods inflation. Uh, shipping costs, there's many ways to measure them. One of them is something called the Baltic Dry Index which if you go back to May, had a peak of close to 3,500. That's all the way down to just about 1,190, 1,190. It was lower in September. You can see it got below 1,000. But you know that, is, that has a real impact on prices of goods. So seeing that come down, of course, is a strong um, positive. One of the biggest drivers of inflation, and one of the reasons that inflation has been so sticky and hard to come down is because there's a lagging impact of uh, on housing, owner's equivalent rent, rent prices, all of those tend to be stickier, slower to work their way into the economic data. So let's take a look at a bunch of housing data that we got last week. National Association of Home Builders Housing Market Index fell from 38 down to 33. Uh, below 50 is seen as pessimistic. And so therefore the housing industry is not in a period of optimism. It's a big part of the economy because if you're not building and selling new homes, uh, you're not building and selling all the things that go into homes and we are a consumer driven economy. So this is serving to slow down the economy very significantly. This NAHB index has fallen every month in 22. It's the longest stretch of declines going back to 1985. And so that's pretty darn significant. Take a look at this here. This is interesting. So this is a little complicated. Let me explain it. Gray bar represents a recession. That was the recession from the COVID shutdown. The red, the red is the shelter component of the, excuse me, that's the yellow, is the shelter component of the US CPI. And you can see it's just going up, 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 and it hasn't rolled over yet. But if you go back and you can see when the observed rent index that's put out by Zillow 
it moves before the CPI starts to move, the CPI component. So you can see when it shot way up, it, was, it took a little bit of a lag, but then so did the CPI component. Now that it's been coming way down, it's most economists belief that you will now see this begin to roll over with that obvious stated lag, which would be a huge win for those who want to see inflation come down, which is pretty much everybody. Other factors driving inflation lower, year-over-year money supply growth, right? When, you're, when the Fed is buying bonds in the open market, what, called, what is called open market operations or balance sheet expansion, they drive interest rates very low to near zero, as we all remember very recently, and it puts massive amounts of money into circulation. The M2 money supply in circulation was, had grown at a pace above 25% in late 2020, early 21. So the old expression, uh, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomena, simply stated and probably overly simplified here, is if you, you, know, you grow your money supply by 25%, you have a lot of money chasing goods and services. At the same time, as you shut down the production of goods and services, which is what we did back then, you're gonna get inflation, you got it. Well, now the Federal Reserve is taking the opposite approach and they are reducing that money supply growth rate um, very significantly, back to just a 2.5%. Now, you always need to increase money supply as your economy is increasing. You can't have a fixed money because you wouldn't be able to facilitate economic growth. So our economy grows over time, and you can see we went from 25% money supply growth to 2.5% money supply growth, right back to where we were all the way back in 2018. That's where we need to be to put inflation under control, among other things, of course, but that is where we are. The other thing that's happening is, you know, we all complained about when the Fed was printing money with reckless abandon, driving interest rates to zero. They buy those bonds, they take them out and put them on their balance sheet, and then that increases the amount of money that's in the system. That's what they do to try to ease us through a potential re recessionary patch, which we had when we shut down the the economy for the COVID pandemic. So the Fed's balance sheet peaked at just about, let's call it nine trillion here. Just, just, a, just a shade under nine trillion. We're down to 8.6 trillion. So it means we've deprinted or shredded, if you want to call it that, almost $400 billion. That's very disinflationary. And the balance sheet still very, very large, has a long way to go but we're at least down to where we were uh, at the end of last year. We had massive amount of bond buying going into the beginning of this year in the face of inflationary numbers. And that's where the Fed made its mistake. They should have started that sooner. I think they probably realized that now. Industrial production and capacity utilization. Industrial production in October fell a 10th of a percent. Uh, capacity utilization also fell and got below 80. You've heard me say over and over that when industrial production, uh, excuse me, when capacity utilization gets in excess of 80, that correlates pretty good with um, inflationary pressure over time. And getting it back below 80% uh, is, is moderating on the inflationary front. Business inventories uh, grew, but at a slower pace. Uh, it's because the, the makeup from the big drawdown in inventories that occurred during the shutdown, that's been sort of fixed. We're getting through the supply chain issues Things are humming along pretty good there. Weekly claims for uh, unemployment, this is initial claims, still remain at a very low level, which is giving the Fed the ability to continue to raise interest rates. 
because their mandate, their mandate from government, the Fed is independent, but their job is pretty simple. Maintain price stability, be the lender of last resort to prevent run on banks, and three, foster full employment. And as long as you're only getting 222,000 claims initial a week, you are at full employment. Uh, continuing claims at around 1.4, 1.5, you are at full employment. So the Fed can feel confident in continuing to fight inflation unless this number suddenly starts to go up. And then they're going to have to decide between the two. So they did a lot of 75 basis point hikes. And so far, weekly claims for unemployment are only moderately elevated. Let's go back to real estate because real estate and, and uh, rent equivalents um, are a big, big component of the inflationary pressure. The fact that they are rolling over uh, and they operate with a lag suggests that we can, we're going to see some relief very soon. Exi uh, existing home sales for the month of October down almost 6% annualized pace, now below four and a half million. That's nine consecutive monthly declines. So, um, a lot of people in that industry uh, would prefer not to see that, but from an inflation fighting perspective, it's what uh, we certainly want to see. Housing starts and permits continue to uh, trend a little bit lower. Housing starts fell 4.2% after a 1.3% decline in September. Building uh, uh, permits fell 2.4% after rising about a percent and a half last month. We also got Philly Fed. We got Philly Fed um, last week, and that was a big negative number. Surprise, fell from uh, minus 8.7 to minus 19.4. Um, just, you know, different from what we got out of the Empire State Manufacturing, obviously. Uh, we have a little, we have a couple of blank slides. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, this week is Thanksgiving. No major economic data, Monday or Tuesday. Everything that would normally be Thursday, Friday, move forward into Wednesday. So really just have Wednesday. Jobless claims, durable goods. Um, the US manufacturing PMI from S&P Global for November, expected to be at 50. That's the line of delineation between expansion and contraction. And services expected actually to be slightly contractionary. Consumer sentiment and new home sales and then minutes from the November FOMC meeting. We don't expect anything uh, fancy or new, et cetera, out of there. Thanks everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back to you again in one week.